1: Lock Talk Radio.
0: Welcome, 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 fans, to another live edition of the Direct Snap. <clears throat> As always, that's uh, me, Joe Klein, joined with my co host, David West. How are you doing tonight, Dave?
1: I am doing wonderful, Joe. Uh, thanks for asking.
0: We are officially one week away, my man, one week from the NFL draft. And <clears throat> has it been a busy week this week? And it's going to be probably another busy week heading into the draft process. But we, here we are, seven days away from the 2016 NFL Draft, and things got a whole lot more interesting yesterday. Um, we're just going to start right off. If you want to guys want to give us a shout tonight and talk about some of the big news, talk about the draft, uh, give us your thoughts on pretty much anything you want, give us a shout, 714-333-3302. Give us a shout on Facebook, facebook.com backslash the official direct snap and Twitter. You can always give us a tweet Uh, at direct underscore snap. But again, we're just going to dive right in because obviously, like I said, things got pretty, pretty interesting on Wednesday when the Philadelphia Eagles did exactly what was rumored and moved up to the number two spot, trading with the Cleveland Browns (laughs) for that number two overall selection. Uh, So, Pretty much the deal worked out as such. The Eagles received the second overall pick and a fourth-round pick this year. In return, Philadelphia gave up the eighth overall pick, their uh, first of two third-round picks this year, their fourth-round pick this year, as well as the 2017 first-round pick and 2018 second-round pick. Five picks, (coughs) excuse me, in exchange for two, um, and it was an interesting deal. Obviously went down very quickly yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and when you look at it, obviously very steep price, you know, very very similar to what we saw with Tennessee where they got, I believe, it was at least five picks. They got, however, um, a little bit better in terms of two twos, two ones, or two twos, a swap of a one, and an extra one and a three, or two threes, um, that Cleveland has now stocked itself with 12 picks in this upcoming draft. They've dropped to eight, and the Eagles have moved up to number two. Now, the obvious, the obvious thing here is that Philadelphia is going for their quarterback, Dave, and when you look at that and you see what they gave up and where they moved to the number two overall, buy or sell, I mean, do you buy – do you buy this move by Philadelphia? Do you buy the move by Cleveland, even in terms of shying away from quarterback in their own right and dropping down in the draft? I guess just give me give me your thoughts on on this this trade and and who you like in terms of, of buying the deal. Who who got the better end of the spectrum? Well, I'm selling <clears throat> I'm selling the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: You know, I think that they just you know they're You've got a few other centerpieces, uh, Zachert, you know, etc., etc. You got guys that are definitely different. Players. But, so, I think trading up for quarterback is a little bit too much and too tasteful for my blood. I think that they could have done better trying to fit holes and you know this. This year now they're going to be set back for the next three years. Yes, they do have a franchise quarterback, but now they have gaps other places. You know, you don't have those difference makers to get in the first few rounds. Compared to, I think, the Browns, I buy the Browns move of trying to market that second overall pick, and now they could actually rule this team and hopefully maybe turn around things like the Oakland Raiders have um, and, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars, all the teams that have been kind of a laughingstock Maybe it's time the Browns, you know, this offseason, they pretty much, you know, scraped their talent to young talent. They've scraped a lot of, you know, the bad stuff. Most of the um, things that they looked for um, in the past are gone, with the exception of Joe Thomas and a few other vets that are still there. That This team is extremely young, and it's probably going to be one of the youngest in the NFL. I think they did a good job of trying to collect draft picks to build for the future, didn't build building blocks. Now, last time they had a chance like this, uh, they didn't do so hot. They've got Trent Richardson who obviously now can go down as one of the top ten busts in modern draft history. So, you know, Cleveland Browns doing this. I don't like Philly just going all out for a quarterback when, you know, they have so many different other needs
0: on the team. Yeah, as an Eagles fan, obviously, my opinion is always going to be biased in one sense or the other. Um, I was steadfast against this trade throughout most of the last, you know, seven to ten days that it's been talked about. It's it just didn't make sense. <clears throat> you know, why give it up? Why give up all those picks? The big reason, Dave, as you know why, is because I feared for us giving up Fletcher Cox, who's not under a long-term contract yet, who's going into the last year of his deal. Um, and when you look at that, to me, that was one of the biggest reasons why I was against this trade, but when Philadelphia was able to give up just draft picks, and again, you say, I'd say it like that, but obviously it's not just draft picks. Each one of those is you know, a potential star. We all know that. Um, but giving up, and, and, and like you said, I guess I look at it in a slightly different way in terms of it does affect us over three years, in terms of we lose the most this year, we still lose our first-round pick next year, which is huge, and we lose our second-round pick in 2018. But we have, you know, we've now armed ourselves with uh, uh, a quarterback that hopefully Doug Peterson and company feel really good about. And that being said, you look at what happened, Sam Bradford, obviously we all know under contract with the Philadelphia Eagles, two-year deal where it's almost $36 million, brought back, you know, not super quickly, but pretty quickly once they were able to. And the feeling in Philadelphia was that everybody was was behind Bradford. Um, But there was always that notion that there would be a quarterback taken to groom. With this move, it really showed that Philadelphia, they may still want to do that. They may still want to have Bradford play for a year or two, but I think that's the reason why Chase Daniel is there. I think that's why – he is paid, you know, a healthy $7 million salary knowing that this was their intention. This was Howie Roseman's intention with Doug Peterson, with Jeffrey Lurie, that they wanted to go and get their guy this year. And it appears to me from everything that I've seen, well, as long I don't want to say it, it looks like they do prefer Wentz over Goff. You know, they do say that, you know, they're equal to them. They would be fine with either player. But I think that when the Rams moved up, Philadelphia knew they were going up for Jared Goff um, and if that's the case and they knew that their guy Carson Wentz was going to be available but the biggest threat to do that was Cleveland and the only way to get them out of there was to give them unfortunately a King's ransom so I look at that, the fact that it is spread out over three years so we do still have a second round pick next year uh, without having a first, You know, we have a second we have a third um, when you look over to 2018, we have a first, we have a third. You know, that's where I don't mind it quite so much. You know, I didn't lose the top three picks over the next two years combined. I lost, you know, three picks this year, then a pick each of the next two years. So that, to me, was able to smooth out the head a little bit, plus the fact that I think it's important. I think it's important that this team finds its identity. I think it's that when Chip Kelly was in town, he tried to force his identity and it just didn't work. You know, but obviously we saw that his repertoire with players and in the media wasn't exactly the greatest. And because of that, you know, this team really lacked an identity. You couldn't, you know, they wanted to run this chip Kelly offense, but they were just terrible at it last year. And, and it led to just a lot of conflict and everything. So I think that it was really important this entire off season for ownership that ownership down to the coaches down to the players to establish their team to establish what they want to be and honestly a lot of people pointed to it when they hired Doug Peterson not to make the comparison at all on the defensive side of the ball because I hold my previous coach in high regard but you look at Jim Schwartz he's an aggressive blitz style defensive coordinator just like Jim Johnson to me, it just looks like they do want to recreate the atmosphere of the Andy Reid Jim Johnson era in Philadelphia, which was one of the most successful eras in Philadelphia. So I think that when you look at that, what happened the last time we were at the two-pick, it was, it was Andy Reid going up and we, we were drafting down to McNabb. So now it's Doug Peterson's turn. He's going to grab Carson Wentz. And hopefully we're going to see some, some wins and some playoff wins in Philadelphia's future. <clears throat> But I want to know, in your opinion, with Cleveland, uh, you know, to to talk about the other team in this trade here. They're down to eight now, but they own, I believe, it's six picks in the first 100 selections of this draft. (laughs) Obviously, this team has a lot of needs, but they feel pretty set, at least for a year or so, trying the Robert Griffin slash uh, Josh McCown experience at quarterback and building their talent elsewhere. They don't buy into the quarterbacks in this year's draft, at least not the top two. So where do you see a team like Cleveland going at eight now with that selection, you know, given all the needs they have, given what they could do at eight, given what they could do in the top 100, where do, what do you see the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns leaning on in terms of their strategy now heading into this draft? It's obviously much different.
1: Well, even um... – Cleveland still has a win-win situation, they could even get even more picks. Um, I've even heard of that number eight pick being kind of hot. So, you know, they might even trade down again and select a guy like Paxton Lynch and bring in another quarterback that, you know, is now getting his value is increasing as we speak. You know, a guy that, you know, is a borderline first-round pick and now, you know, he could jump back into the top 15 talk just with all this trade stuff, you know, obviously the best quarterbacks are coming off the board. But, you know, you got to look at um, Cleveland here, and it's a possibility that one of the elite um, defensive backs will still be on the board. You know, um, Joe Hayden made a little bit of a murmur about his boy Jalen Ramsey. Um, I'm not saying Jalen should be there when they pick, but if he's there, Cleveland's going to go with him and that's going to continue to fortify that young defense that they're trying to build up. Uh, they could go pass rusher here. Um, possibly Joey Bosa might be on the board. Um, you know, I hear Dallas might pass on Bosa and go running back, which would actually be a mistake, um, particularly with DeMarcus Lawrence just being suspended. Uh, you know, Cleveland is in a good spot. They have a lot of ammo, and they could eat. Um, throw even more grenades into the um the barrel so, you know, they could trade down and get a Paxton Lynch. Um, they could get, you know, a few more playmakers to continue to, you know, build up that, that team. But also the fact that they're probably the most ideal one in the first where they could have one of these elite guys, you know, a Joey Bosa, uh, a Jalen Ramsey possibly, maybe a Laramie Tunzel. That would be huge for them. Uh, they could have a running mate for um, Joe Thomas on the right side, especially with sports going. to a new team they have. So, in a perfect world scenario, you know, Cleveland could stay put and still, you know, cash in pretty big. But also if those options run out, I'm sure they can market that pick and seem like possibly the Miami Dolphins with an Ezekiel Elliott on the board trying to get um, in front of the Chicago Bears. But also, you know, there's a whole bunch of teams there that would be willing to trade up and get give Cleveland even more picks. So I think Cleveland's finally doing things right. Now, will they get the instant success from a Carson Lynch or a Jared Goff at quarterback? Maybe not. You know, Paxton Lynch I still think has the best upside out of the quarterback class, and he could possibly be the best quarterback to come from this um, class, if not a later prospect like Kevin Hogan or some other guys that, you know, Dak um, Prescott, one of Tyler's favorites. He was on with John Gruden the other day in Gruden camp. So, um, you know, those are just a whole bunch of ideas that Cleveland Browns fans you could think about is trade down possibly, get more picks, more ammo, um, more chances to hit a superstar. I mean, obviously all the guys you draft. Plus, there's got to be at least two or three of them that are going to be decent, especially with all those picks. Um, or, you know, you could, like I said, select and wait and hope one of these top players falls to you. And, you know, pull the trigger, or you know, you can sit there and you know be strategic about your move. Maybe reach a little bit and get a get a pass rusher. Get, you know, a linebacker, Reggie Ragland. I know they like Reggie Ragland a lot too. So, go. The possibilities are endless for Cleveland. They're in a good
0: spot. They really are. This move, to me, signified a a core. What I hope you know, you can only hope is a core shift in the way this team thinks, uh, and the ideal of building a team and then putting a quarterback in a successful team. <clears throat> rather than trying to constantly churn a quarterback on a, not to be rude, but crappy team for the last 10 years. I mean, they haven't had the talent because they constantly draft quarterbacks. They constantly draft skill position players like running backs, like wide receivers in the first round like Detroit did for a long time. Instead of getting the meat of your roster, your linemen, you know, Building your team from the inside out. You know, everybody knows there are, you know, core positions, and those positions are left tackle, quarterback, obviously, pass rusher, and a cover man. So when you look at Cleveland, they have their anchor. They have for a long time, but haven't had a decent half-rushing unit in years. They have Joe Hayden, but he had, you know, Sean Gibson left, so that secondary isn't as impressive as it was a few seasons ago. So acquiring all these draft picks put them in a phenomenal position to take an incredible guy, And, and talking about who they might take right now, guys, I've got ESPN in the background on because Todd McShay and Mel Kiper Jr. right now are at the end, so don't leave our show at the end of a live uh, mock draft where they're going back and forth. And they had Cleveland earlier in the evening taking lineman DeForest Buck. Now that would put an incredibly solid centerpiece to the defensive line, you know, on their team if they if they did today. So right there, you see some of the possibilities for a team like Cleveland in this draft. It really opens it up for them, especially being in the top six picks in the top 100, they have a great chance to acquire a lot of premium talent in the draft. So for them, the opportunities are endless. It looks like they're finally going to do the right thing in terms of trying to build a program before trying to pick and force just any quarterback in that system. So I really like where that's headed. But when you look at the implications that this trade set up, down the line, we pretty much know quarterback's going to be at one to the Rams, quarterback's going to be at two to the Eagles. So, you look at three with San Diego. I think they are still they are still open to a trade, even though right now they're sitting there going, okay, we can choose from Laramie Tunsell, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, you know, they have a ton of options there, pretty much from the best prospects in the draft. Do you think that 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 San Diego pick is still hot. Do you think San Diego is still looking for a trade partner? Or do you think that, that the opportunity to grab, in whoever's opinion, the best player in the draft is too much for them to leave three and they try to grab one more incredible player in the Phillip Rivers era?
1: Well, you've got to ask yourself as a um, a general manager sitting at your desk and, you know, you you put it on the table. You can always trade a pick you can always trade a player. I mean, you can put the third overall pick, you can listen, and that's the beauty of it. I'm sure they're listening to offers right now. Now, if someone, if they're waiting for someone to become, you know, Mr. Nervous Man, Mr. Desperation to call up and say, hey, we have to have that pick. We're willing to give you this, 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 this deal. I mean, you know, the more chances for you to improve your roster um, through the draft uh, it is a great way to go. But, you know, if they're just getting some average offers or they don't think it's good enough, then, you know, stay put. Get, you know, Laramie Tunsil, which would probably be my ideal pick at this point for the San Diego Chargers. Not because um, Eric Weddle doesn't need a replacement because, you know, he's gone on to do better things but are off to, you know, better places, excuse me, Uh, that they need to protect Phillip Rivers for a few more seasons at least. Yeah, he's getting up in age, but you gotta, but you got to protect him or it's just going to become a bloodbath. So, Laramie Tunsil sitting there would be definitely a very good investment for that Charters team and particularly for the future. Whoever Tunsil can grow and develop and whoever comes in to be the next franchise quarterback, they don't have to worry about, you know, getting that guy protecting his blind side. They've got that guy already. So, if I was San Diego, I'd stay put and get Tunsil. But it, I would be listening to offers if someone, you know, I'm trying to think who might want to trade up. Maybe the Miami Dolphins. I, I hate to bring them up into this, but you know, um, Mike Tinniboff, Chris Greer get a little bit of de- a little bit of desperation, and them It's like, you know, we have to get Elliott because the Dallas Cowboys are fourth on the clock, and from what I've heard Jerry say in the last three days, he wants Ezekiel Elliott. So the Dolphins are like, we'll give you our first two round, first. Um, we'll give you three first round picks, plus our second this year and our second next year, and something like that. And San Diego's licking their chops because they know they just cashed in on a huge deal. That, you know, they got picks for the future. They got their quarterback of the future with a first round pick under their belt. So it kind of, you just kind of have to listen, Joe. But if I was San Diego, stay put, get tonsil, unless you get just an offer you can't refuse
0: honestly, that's the thing that with these trades, it opens up so much possibilities because you're going to start to see, you see immediately a fall on the top prospects. So, especially guys like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he's been pretty much rumors wanted by every team in the NFC. Dallas wants him, or likes him, Philly likes him, New York likes him. I think all three teams other than Philadelphia, who was like, you can have your running back, I'm going for a quarterback all the teams are looking like if I don't draft them, they're going to. And do I want to see this guy twice a year? You know, that's pretty much what everybody, what we all did with Des Bryant, and so we all did with Odell Beckham. Everybody liked him, everybody wanted him, but we watched somebody else in the division get him, and all they've done is tear up the league ever since, and we go, oh, why that team? So I think that Ezekiel Elliott definitely is a guy who, because, who, think about this, okay? You Let's follow your logic here. You go, and I honestly agree with this, say San Diego sits, takes Laramie Tunsil, gets their, their left tackle for the next 10 years, which just makes, like you said, entirely too much sense. You go to four, Dallas with Jerry's last pick, and honestly, it's a smart pick in my opinion. Taking Ezekiel Elliott for that team is a smart pick, even though yes, like you said, Joey Bosa, but i I think Ezekiel Elliott could end up being a more special player than Joey Bosa will be. So I like Ezekiel Elliott at four. So you look at five of the Jacksonville Jaguars and you go, okay, there are Jalen Ramsey, there's Miles Jack, there's Vernon Hargreaves, there's Ronnie Stanley, there's everybody. There's a ton of guys on the board. You could realistically see a guy like Jalen Ramsey fall to the Jaguars at five. And if that doesn't happen, imagine – You get to the Ravens at six, so the implications here are are tremendous because there are so many ways that these teams can go. But let's let's shake this out here for a second. Let's 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 shake this out. We're going to go with the logic that everybody is following so far with Goff at one, Wentz at two. Dave and I are in agreement here. San Diego likely stays put. Grab Laramie Tunsell at three, Ezekiel Elliott to Dallas at four. I mean, are we in agreement on that, or how do you feel about the fourth pick?
1: I, I do think that's where Ezekiel Elliott is probably going to end up. Uh, a lot of people have him there. I just think that, you know, some teams are going to throw some mild offers out there. Um, the only thing that would tenderize that deal with the Dolphins up to third overall, the Dallas Cowboys, is if they throw in some picks and then, you know, they throw in a guy like Cam Wake, or Deion Jordan, Deion Jordan would have to be a Deion Jordan plus someone else or Cam Wake and Deion Jordan for this and that and this for the third overall pick, and then, bam, you know, it happens. But let's just say that Dallas stays put and takes Ezekiel Elliott. Let's say that Dallas is asking for way too much. So, okay, I'm in agreement with you. All
0: right, we have Ezekiel Elliott at four. Five, got Jacksonville Jaguars here. I feel like Jalen Ramsey has to be the guy, and they're focusing on defense. There's Miles Jack, there is Ronnie Stanley still, but you're talking about taking Jalen Ramsey, who the Jag, to play at either corner or safety because they really do solve a need at both positions. Is that too attractive to offer, or do you think there's a guy that offers more to Gus Bradley's defense over a guy like Jalen Ramsey?
1: Absolutely not, unless you want to, you know, a bookend tied in with last year's Dante Fowler. That would make, you know, a lot of sense. But, you know, I think they want one of these corners. Uh, Miles Jack is definitely a great prize. But you got to go with Jalen Ramsey at this point. You know, he's been sitting there. Um, he doesn't go far from home. He can play safety. He can play corner. You need both. And, you know, I think it would be foolish to pass up on him at this point, just like the Chargers, unless someone really just, blows their minds with some big trade, which, you know, uh, a trade down wouldn't hurt them very much. I mean, they would miss out on a premier player, but then they have more chances to fortify. I think they stay put, and they have to get Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you might field a few offers, but don't take them uh, unless it's just huge. But, yeah, take Jalen Ramsey.
0: Now, Baltimore would be faced with an interesting decision here based on the board that Joey Bosa would be there, but so would Ronnie Stanley, and so would Miles Jack. Looking at that, do you think, two, two-part two question here, do you think that Miles Jack's injury concerns are going to cause a drop for him uh, when draft time comes next week? <clears throat> and do you think, what do you think the pick is for Baltimore, given that Miles Jack has slid out of the top five and is still in the in the field here for play? Well,
1: I can't. I do foresee Miles Jack falling a little bit. I just don't see him falling past 15. Um, 15 would be his lowest point, I think, period. Um, it, it's happened. Crazier things have happened. Um, likely he'll stay in the top 10, but 15's his low point. Um, I don't think Baltimore goes with Miles Jack here, uh, I like Miles Jack. People say he's been uh, mini Ray Lewis with a little more explosion. Okay, you know, I don't see it. You know, watch his tape. He, he's a, he moves differently. But that, that's beside the point. I think they're going to get a guy like Ronnie Stanley here. Um, they need to fortify that offensive line. They lost um, a stud in the middle or, you know, up the big guy up front. So, you know, you have to get an offensive lineman for Joe Flacco. Um, the sensation is great to get Joey Bosa here. They do need a, a future 3-4 outside star. You know, that could be a possibility here. You know, Terrell Suggs is not getting any younger, and we haven't apparently found the heir apparent yet. So, you know, Joey Bosa would actually be a good fit here. But I just don't think Miles Jack would be going to Baltimore. Uh, it's just it doesn't feel like a baltimore s pick for Miles Jack. It just
0: doesn't, take. so So far, with, we're looking at our own little – I'm going to go as far as 10 here, our own little 10-pick draft, looking at what we're seeing with, these, with this trade and some of the implications it can have. Miles Jag now available at 7 to San Francisco with Chip Kelly. They weren't able to go up and get a quarterback. It looks like they're staying with, with Colin Kaepernick. So do you go for the protection of a guy like Jack Conklin who's starting to get top 10 – uh, top ten looks, do you go with the the linebacker stud to replace Patrick Willis and Miles Jack? I mean the the options here for San Francisco now are even so much more wide open for this team because you don't expect a guy like Miles Jack to still be on the board and have that kind of player potentially and then all these other guys you may fit a need, but you may not fit, you know, the the what could be unbelievable value for a guy like Jack. So if I'm San Francisco here, this is an incredibly tough decision because I think this team needs a lot of help on both sides of the football. Uh, I think that with Anquan Bolden gone, Torrey Smith being pretty much the, the premier pass catcher on that team, that's a little scary. I would field calls, try to move back and acquire a couple picks here. But this is tough. You know, Chip Kelly, it's always hard to to know what he's thinking, know what he's going to do. And that's what makes this pick tough. I don't even know what direction I think I would go in. I honestly don't think he would go with a guy like Miles Jack. But maybe he would. You know, injuries don't concern Chip Kelly as much. He's a guy who, you know, he traded for Sam Bradford. He traded or he signed DeMarco Murray. He's the guy that went after those guys. So there's a chance that he looked past that and sees the – the incredibly rare athleticism. Where, where do you where do you sit on that? I mean, a guy like Chip Kelly is an enigma. It is so hard to to see where he goes. Say Miles Jack could potentially sit in his lap. Do you think that that's a Chip Kelly kind of guy or kind of pick? Or where where do you think his mindset is if that if that happens? Well, you know, I don't think Miles Jack
1: is going to go to San Francisco. I, I just I don't see it. They did bring him in for a private workout, so I guess they did project that there was going to be some trading. Um, it's very well possible, you know. But, you know, you can't count out guys like Reggie Ragland here. I think Reggie Ragland is that next guy that they're looking for at linebacker. You know, you could go a whole bunch of different ways with this. Um, don't be surprised if they maybe totally packed Paxton Lynch at this point because quarterbacks are starting to come off the board and, you know, you're getting kind of desperate. But I don't think they're going to do that. They've shown a, shown a lot of interest in Connor Cook from Michigan State. Um, McKenzie Alexander was a guy they were looking at, but from what I've heard, uh, he's been really on the down towards swing. The guy I think they're going to retool with this defense, a guy I think that they, they've looked at quite a bit, and they didn't really bring him in for a private workout because it felt like he was going to be the answer, was Joey Bosa. I think Joey Bosa goes to San Fran, city by the bay. Um, you know, they haven't had that edgy defended, um, defensive player. I think he'll fit well in that system, um, you know, with the development of the young talent there. Yes, they got Armstead last year, but they're continuing to build that defense up. And, you know, you could get an offensive lineman here, I think, help out uh, Kaepernick corn last time, or Blaine Gabbert, or whoever decides to be the starter. Um, we think it's Kaepernick. Um, I think they go with Joey Bosa here just because I think Bosa continues to fortify that, and he he's going to be standing up instead of handing him the dirt, you know, obviously with a 3-4 defense. You know, they're going to continue to build with Aaron Lynch. With Aaron Lynch and Bosa coming off the edge, it's going to make teams really think about how to strategize in that division, actually. Yeah,
0: it, it's it, – there's so many places they could go, but Chip Kelly, like I said, I just I don't know if I see him being that type of guy in the first round. And I think a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, like Joey Bosa would make sense because you need to have a pass rusher. And that team, like I said, as much as you want to help the offense, the defense needs help too. So I think taking a receiver that high being that or offensive line being the, the choice here, you don't know if he feels good enough about Jack Conklin going right out and playing tackle in the NFL, so if he decides to go, the guy like Joey Bosa. So you look at Cleveland, who sits at or eight now, and I gotta say, if I'm Cleveland, I'm at eight. As much as a trade would be nice, I could have gone from two to eight and get up and get a guy like Miles Jack. You know, they let go of of Carlos Stansby. They need that unbelievable presence on the defense. They need an athlete, a leader. You know, the guys can play from side by sideline. Miles Jack can do that. I think Miles Jack is hands down a pick here for Cleveland, and they somehow come out with potentially one of the best players in the draft. How do you – I think from what you said about tape and everything, you may feel a little differently. What do you think? I think Miles Jack is a clear-cut answer here for Cleveland.
1: Oh, definitely. You know, there's a whole bunch of different directions you could be, but I think you definitely hit everything that I was going to definitely get into uh, that Cleveland's been looking for identity on defense. Obviously, they've got their guy in, in the wing developing Danny Shelton, who still has yet to really be, you know, effective. But it's going to be time for that. Um, and you have Joe Hayden, you uh, But patience has paid off. Not one um, that, you know, they traded down, you know, they took a chance of losing out in some, you know, stardom there. But uh, this is where they get their star um, linebacker, Miles Jack, as you said, Joe. uh, They need a guy in the the, um, middle to be the guy, the enforcer, the guy that's going to be the the player for the next 10 years on that team. And a lot of experts said if he got on a team where he could be himself and roam around and not have to really be a shadow on anyone like Jacksonville, someone like, you know, San Francisco where, you know, he'd be not playing in the shadow but Navro Bowman is still very much the best linebacker in the vet area. Now he benefit working with Navor Bowman, like Patrick um, like Bowman worked under Willis and so on and so forth. But I think a lot of people say he's special enough to be a starter right away where he can make his own legacy. So Brown's patience has paid off here and they've got a lot of picks for it in the next hundred Picks or the next, you know, top 100. So, um, congratulations, and You got your enforcer in the middle.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's entirely too hard to walk away from with Cleveland being able to get a great amount of picks in the top 100. You grab your first pick as Miles Jack. Yeah, you know, that would honestly show a real turn in the culture in Cleveland, like I was talking about earlier. And that, you know, the Bucks obviously don't have a ton of choices. There are guys like Vern Hardreaves or everything like that. But let's break out of this here for a second. That's just showing just how how much can change now in this NFL draft. We saw guys like Jalen Ramsey and guys like Miles Jack pretty much never being out of the top five or six. That's at that point, we were seeing, you know, there's no doubt Ronnie Stanley would not – or not Ronnie Stanley, I apologize – Larry Tunkel not being a top one or top two selection easily. He falls to three depending on what happens, he may fall past three or even farther with how this draft may fall out. So with the, the trades to one and two, the first time we've seen that happen um, since 1997 and only the second time in 40 years, um, it's it's incredible the implications it's had on this, this draft. It's made it a lot more interesting, but another really big thing that happened this week that will also probably have implications on the draft once this particular person finds a new destination is the Josh Norman saga in Carolina. We saw Carolina rescind the franchise tag this week, Dave. They did that yesterday and Josh Norman was freed and put into free agency market by Dave Gettleman and the Panthers. Now, immediately, you know, there was reports a lot of teams interested Agent Artie getting calls, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there was a lot of chit-chat, though, about who. Uh, Josh was questioned, said he didn't really want to talk about it. I believe he was disappointed. He was hoping to get something done with Carolina, but Carolina is steadfast in the way that they feel. They, they don't believe that they can or should distribute the kind of money that he is looking for. But as the dust has settled, as the, you know, skies have cleared, as they say, we see that teams like San Francisco, teams like Washington, teams like Jacksonville are all front runners for Josh Norman. Now, you have a bit of an inside track, but you do know a lot about Josh. You know a lot about, you know, the type of guy that he is. Looking at this situation, not seeming likely he's going to get what he wants in a deal with Carolina, where do you think the best location and most likely location is for Josh Norman now that he's become a free agent? do you think he gets the deal that he's looking for? like it's rumored to be or
1: oh, he can get the deal he wants. you know I hate it it's coming down to dollar signs, and that's always this and that. Um, you know, it drives me crazy when players are like, well, this and that and this, particularly a guy like Josh who, you know, I've interacted with quite a bit. Um, I did shoot him a text last night, folks. Uh, he hasn't replied to me. So I don't have any insider track tonight of anything whatsoever. Um, he didn't even really, you know, blink an eye at it. So I'm sure uh, he's. The, I'm the last person you want to start, hear from during this, I guess, moderately stressful time of his life. He's about to cash in huge but you know, uh, I think he's going to go to San Francisco. That's just my gut feeling. I think San Francisco would be a good place for him. Um, like I say, continue to build that defense up. I mean, they've got 51 million dollars; uh, they can make it work. You know, they've got them. They're going to have to pay soon anyway. But you know, as I said, they need to build that defense in that division. And Josh Norman going against like the Cardinals and you know a team like you know the Redskins or not the Redskins, excuse me. The Seahawks, um, Redskins were another team that were, are in hot commodity form. I think that's where is going to spend some dollars is on Josh Coleman. And the reason I'm not saying the Jacksonville Jaguars is because Gus Bradley believes in young upside. He doesn't usually go out and spend a ton in free agency, even though this year they did break the bank a little bit, but it wasn't like, you know, wow. But I think um, – that San Francisco would be a pretty good location for Josh Norman.
0: If San Francisco grabs Norman, do you, do you think that change, changes their first-round draft idea at all, or do you think that it just opens it up a little bit more? Yeah, I think it just
1: opens it up a little bit more. I mean, it doesn't change a lot. Um, I think that they should still go defense uh, and build that defense up defense wins championships. Uh, obviously, you know, the Broncos proved that last year and the Seahawks the year before, and or not the year before, but you, you get what I'm saying, that, you know, if you can build a young foundational defense, that it, it's the best way to go after your team building. You know, you have all, this, all these ways to build a big team up. You know, obviously spending is not the way to go, but, you know, cashing, get yourself a nice free agent. And I think Josh Norman will head out there. Well, it's going to be a deal close to $85 million, my guess. So we'll see. Uh, Maybe maybe by the end of the weekend that Josh Norman will be heading out to San Francisco signing that contract. But we don't know anything yet, folks. So we'll
0: see. It will be interesting to see where Norman decides to go. If you, know, you, you believe the reports, there's anywhere between six to eight teams that have contacted him with serious inquiries. So it'll be very interesting to see where Josh decides to end up. I'm not shocked by it at all. I, me and Tyler have talked about it. The Panthers are a team that they don't shell out a lot of money. It took them a a while to sign Cam even, and... Just a, he's 28 years old. I saw an interesting stats today. There are only two cornerbacks in the NFL currently playing that are over age 32. Uh, why is that a significant stat? Because Josh Norman would be being paid a significant amount of money in ages 32, in ages 33, where he would possibly, you know, be pretty much at the tail end of his career. Still making anywhere between probably 14 to 16 million dollars a year, and that's not easy for a team to shed off its cap when it comes to that. Usually things get ugly—a bad trade, or they just take the dead money and run. So I think that was a big thing for Carolina. They didn't want to be cash-strapped with a, a young nucleus uh, and a guy who, yes, is very talented, but they felt you know the age versus the the, the deal. Wasn't appropriate for what they were looking at as a franchise. So it'll be interesting to see what team feels the opposite and how much they're willing to show out. Reports say that he, he may rival Janoris Jenkins' uh, five year, $62.5 million deal, and I have to say, I fully believe that. I think that it will probably be pretty close to that, um, if not more. But that's the NFL we live in these days, is it not? Um, but it's it's interesting. You look at that. I want to know, do you think that situation in hearing that the situation with the Broncos and Bob Miller, you know, possible holdout, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think something like this affects the Denver Broncos and Bob Miller at all? Do you, do you expect any kind of similar thing to happen or do you expect the Broncos to stay, stay with negotiations and figure out a way to keep this guy? Because he's obviously much younger, a much different talent. Um, and and has a lot of football out of it. Oh, I mean, you can't
1: let somebody like Von Miller walk. You can't. I mean, that would be a travesty. If you want a franchise player for Denver Broncos, it's definitely Von Miller. I mean, he proved it in the Super Bowl. He proved it year after year. He got hurt. And he came back even stronger, better than ever. Josh Norman had a flashy year, uh, kind of under year, you know, it, it was good. It was this and that. But, Josh, yes, he was getting progressively better. Yes, he was due for that, and a lot of people saw it. But has he been the consistency of Von Miller? No, absolutely not. But you don't let Von Miller walk away. Even if, you know, you promise a man and say, hey, after training camp, we will sit down and talk long term. So, you know, just make him a promise, you know, even if to sit down, um, you know, a day before the draft and saying, you know, what kind of contract are you looking for? And he tells you, or, you know, just work with him. Don't just say, you know, we're not going to talk to him until, you know, week two. No, you know, work with your client. And I think that's a conception in the NFL. Now you might um, say, you know, well, we're franchise franchise tagging you this year and we're going to let you go after this. Give us one more good year of football. Well, you know that might make him upset, and then you're going to get a guy that holds out. Now, I'm I, and Joe, I think you agree with me here that guys that hold out just kind of, you know, tick you off a little bit, especially over some dollar signs. So, uh, honor the contract and just, you know, work for you know the money that you know you signed for. So it is what it is. Don't let Von Miller walk. You know, promise negotiations. Talk to him throughout the summer. Unless he's just like, all right, you know, $85 million for the next six years. Obviously, you're going to sign him to that because, you know, that would be highway robbery for him. But, yeah, um, just talk. That's all. I As um, Bronco's front office, John LA, just talk to Von though just saying, hey, you know, after the draft, I want to see what you're thinking about numbers. And Ron would say, sure. And that keeps him saying, you know, the team wants it. Instead of don't see Seattle and just like, oh, well, we're not going to talk to you. We're not going to talk to you. We're not going to talk to you. That just makes them mad. And then, you know, Cam Chancer misses four games. So, that's my opinion on it, Joe.
0: Yeah, it does make me angry when players hold out. It's infuriating, especially because I, uh, I dealt with the whole P.O. situation, and that was just, that was obnoxious. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of holdouts, and I think that I agree. You know, if Tyler was on, Tyler would be incredibly emphatic saying, you know, whatever he wants, give it to him, you know, sign the guy. If you want him to be your franchise player and he's a franchise player, then just give him the money. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is probably the guaranteed money, you know, as much as the whole, you know, yearly figure is very important as well having the money that they know he gets to keep the money they know he he will or the money he knows he'll walk away with no matter what happens is very important and is also an incredibly difficult negotiating point we've seen guys getting over 50 million guaranteed who are not nearly as proven as a guy like von miller who aren't nearly as talent that von miller is obviously a good agent is going to sit there and say you know yeah, I want at least ten more than that. You know, don't you know, don't joke me or you know, don't kid. And obviously, the Broncos come back with, yeah, but what's more important, you know, ten million more dollars or two more Super Bowl rings? You know, let us build this franchise. And it's a, it's a difficult it's a difficult process. It's give and take. Obviously, both sides have their best interests and take. You know, it, it is a bit of a selfish process, to be honest, and it's one of those things where it kind of has to be, and that's the ugly business side of the NFL, is a player has to be out for himself, a team has to be out for the best interest of their team. And granted, and most of the times, it, it's because they want to be with each other, but you know, at a fair rate. So I think that they need to get this done, though. I think if we saw something where <clears throat> Von Miller was a his franchise and or wow franchise tag rescinded the whole football universe would just tremble it would be one of the most unbelievable things we've ever seen somebody would snatch him up to an insane deal and the broncos would look like complete fools for Pretty much as long as Von Miller is still on a football field, and then probably like five to ten years after that. So I think they have to get this deal done. They have to pay him the money. You know, you wish that if you usually you try to do it this way so you save yourself some money and this, that, and the other. And they had to kind of wait out Peyton Manning and make sure that he was going to leave so they didn't have to try to figure out what to do with that cap hit if something happened. But They kind of let themselves fall short when they let guys like Malik Jackson sign, leave and sign somewhere else, and guys like Olivier Vernon sign with those insane contracts. And you obviously sit there and know, okay, well, I'm going to have to pay him this, and yet you still haven't done it before. Guys like Philadelphia have paid Fletcher Cox. So, uh, you know, we saw the Dominican Sioux deal the year before with Miami. You have to try to get these deals done before the market get that much more inflated before the market is unbelievably high for these players. So it'll it'll be interesting. I really hope there's no holdout, though, like you said. You know, it just kind of makes you angry. You want to see that guy in the field. That's one of the reasons you love the game is to see his superstars, to see its best players do what they do best. And he's a Bronco. You don't want to see him. His teammates don't want to see him gone. They understand. Everybody understands the business. But hopefully we get to see these two sides fix it up and get on the field with that, but the the draft, like I said, the draft is a week away, Dave, a one week away. We've seen two huge trades so far with the Rams and the Titans, the Eagles and the Browns. But poke, poke your mind a little bit here. Do you think and do you see another possible top ten trade coming by draft night? By draft night? uh, Yes, I do.
1: Um, I I do see possibly two or three more teams trying to move up and position themselves for someone, or um, it's hard to say. Maybe it's like the money that's trading up from before since, you know, the Cleveland Browns and the, the Eagles have talked about moving up. Um, there's other teams out there that I think might try to move up to get a quarterback, or particularly Paxton Lynch, because all the other quarterbacks are off the board by two. Um, these teams uh, might get kind of desperate and might need one. Um, maybe a team like the Broncos, we just talked about them, they don't really have much at quarterback. So uh, the possibility is. I'm probably going to say about 45% to 50%. It's kind of 50-50. I think the Dolphins are still trying to find a trade partner to get up and try to get Ezekiel Elliott in front of the Cowboys, which would pretty much be – I think they're actively talking to the San Diego Chargers. You know, this is ongoing. Um, obviously, I think that they're going to try to throw in something for them, um, as well as a player, somebody like Deion Jordan. Um, they're trying to sweeten the deal. So – Yes, I think there might be one more top ten move up or you know, someone to move into the top ten, I have another another epic trade, possibly the number three overall, which would be absolutely
0: mind blowing. It would be mind blowing. I I agree with you, I think it's possible. I think that in terms of the top ten, I'll go with highs. I think there's definitely a fifty fifty chance you could see it. The Titans have a ton of to picks. The Browns, they're probably good at eight. They're probably not gonna move up. They didn't bounce out of the top ten like the Titans did, but I could see that moving up. I could see a couple other teams moving up. It all depends, in my opinion, too, on who falls. If a guy like Jalen Ramsey slips by and he gets to, to six, a team like Baltimore, yes, Ozzy doesn't doesn't often get a top ten pick, but if somebody calls and says they'll give him two or three picks in the top 60 or 75, a team like the Titans, I think that you could see that happen. I think the Ravens could trade out. Um, with the way that Kuyper and McShay had their draft fall, they see a steep a steep drop in receivers to where nobody feels the urge to trade up for one. So I find that interesting because, um, as you know, in our mock draft this year, Dave, I moved the Vikings up to the Rams at 15 to take uh, Laquan Treadwell. But a lot of teams are cooling. Uh, On a lot of guys, other than one person, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Josh Doxon is getting a lot of fire right now, getting a lot of love, um, being pushed towards the top of the receivers in this draft class, if not the best. Uh, McShay and Kuyper both said he's the best receiver in this class, while the ball's in the air. Um, How do you think... What do you think of the, the current stock in the receiver class? Do you buy or sell the the falling stock of this receiver class? Do you see them falling into the later teens, early 20s, and even into the second round?
1: I'm definitely selling this receiver class. You know, there's some good players, and there's some good players late. I do buy into the fact that Josh Stockton is the best receiver in this um, draft class. He's been my favorite since last year. Uh, I, I knew the kid was special. Uh, so you know, Josh Jackson. Obviously, we've talked about this before. Sydney Rice is who I like him like. I even told the NFL scout that, and he loved it. So you know, um, if it feels pretty good when a scout gives you an "add a boy" kind of thing. So I sell this class. Um, Treadwell, I think's going to be fine. This, I mean, it, I'm not saying this receiver class isn't going to be just like, oh, well, no one's going to remember the names. No, it's not like that. Um, There just isn't an A.J. Green. There just isn't a Calvin Johnson. Um, There isn't that front-runner guy. I think um, a guy like Corey Coleman has still got a ton of value right now. Um, Matt Miller gave him a pretty nice comparison earlier I liked a lot, which was Steve Smith Sr. I I think that's pretty spot-on there. Um, You know, I think these guys are going to go out and do work, but – I sell this class simply because there's no one been able to just really set themselves as that, you know, top guy, even though Josh Doxson has just now hit that peak a week before the draft. I mean, last year we knew Amari Cooper was the guy way before then. You know, Kevin White went screaming up real quick. Um, I thought Devontae Parker was a shoo-in to be the second best that whole season back in November before the even, you know, all-star circuit had started in bowl games. I knew Parker was, um, you know, something else. But this receiver class, it's just got a whole bunch of question marks. I mean, who's going to come out to be the superstar? I think it's going to be a third or fourth-round pick at wide receiver. One of those guys is just going to make the impact for a team and just going to be like, wow, Stephon Diggs like, all over again. Like, I maybe a guy like Pharoah Cooper, who I, I think hasn't gotten enough credit in this
0: draft class. I agree. I think the wide receivers in this class are are definitely weaker than we've seen in a long time and I think because of that it's definitely it's definitely done to sell the points that they were they were being taken just a few weeks prior. Boy, go uh, give us a call and give us your opinion on this year's draft class and, and the wide receivers or anybody. Give us a shout out, seven one four three 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 zero two. Give us a shout on Facebook, Facebook dot com backslash the official direct snap as well as Twitter. At direct underscore snap, um, but again, talking about the NFL draft and talking about the wide receiver class and, and sell so the wide receiver class. I think that, that it's definitely possible that Dax is the first one off the board. I think it's possible that guys like Laquan Treadwell, guys like Corey Coleman, are going to slip into the the late first round. Uh, guys like Will Fuller, you and I talked about him a few weeks back. Not being a huge fans, I think he could slip into the second round. I think that. <clears throat> This is where Tyler and I always used to talk about. This is a period where teams, there is no more workouts. There are no more pro days and flashy numbers and route or running and, you know, just showing off athleticism. This is the time where all the teams go back to the tape. They go back to the notes. They go back to the interviews, and they sit there, and they go over, and they revise everything that they've looked at on the, on the players on their boards. And that's where I think you start to see the stock change again. You know, with guys like Corey Coleman, guys like Will Fuller, um, you fell in love with their numbers. So those oh, they're in the top there were some insane ones, where they were in the top ten, top twelve. And and I was blown away and now you're seeing them back, you know, in the late twenties or early early thirties, and I think that's appropriate. I think that's because this is the time where you go back to the film, you see, you know, yes, the athleticism, athleticism is nice, but how does it translate to the football field? And I think that is the biggest thing in the, the two weeks leading up to the draft. But so, let's let's talk a little bit more, just because I I, I want to be a little bit <clears throat> selfish here. I'm not gonna lie here, Dave. Let's talk a little bit more about the the top two quarterbacks here, though. Uh, in the draft, obviously poised to go 1-2, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. That being said, you look at Los Angeles. Let's talk about Los Angeles for a minute here. They, they're they an interesting team. You know, they have a lot of talent on the defense. They let a couple of guys go, Ingenoris Jenkins, Chris Long, James Laurinaitis. Um, they let they – let, why do I always – whatever, we'll get to that later um, – they they definitely let some pieces, some talented pieces on the defense go, but they still have an incredibly solid set of guys. You know they still have Brockers, they still have Donald, they still have Tremaine Johnson, they still have a lot of impressive players. Uh, Bobby Quinn, you know there are a lot of really good players still on that defense. You look at the offense though, and they've got Todd Gurley. You know they, they drafted Robinson on the offensive line a few years ago, but he's he struggled a little bit in the left tackle, probably better off his guard. But they, they've shown flashes, they've shown ability, but the quarterback position in that team has almost turned similar to what we saw in Oakland for years and Cleveland the last few years, where it seems like anybody that plays quarterback for the Rams ever since, honestly, ever since Mark Bolger started to go down, has just played terrible, no matter what, no matter who's there. I think a big part of that is that they don't have, and I, I will say this in a way that few will understand, but they have athletes, they don't have receivers. And I think that's hurt them a lot. So you look at Los Angeles, they need to get their quarterback, though. They need to get their guy. And everything says Jared Goff. A lot of people are saying Jared Goff is the guy that they want the cow kid, the L.A. guy to come lead the Rams, come lead them into the promised land. Do you think that that Goff is set up to succeed in Los Angeles, though, given the offensive line is not at its strongest point, given that they don't have a lot of really talented receivers to work with? Do you you think that – what do you think?
1: I mean, I think actually Jared Goff can come in and actually be pretty effective. Uh, right away, I think the wide receivers are actually in a better place than a lot of people stand for. You have one of the best weapons in the NFL that, you know, a lot of people don't give credit for, and that's Tavon Austin. I mean, Tavon Austin is finally coming out of the shell and showing why he was drafted so high, you know, so it, it seems so long ago now, but, you know, you have him, you have some other good pass catchers. Um, Jared coach you know, going a different direction. Yeah, that was a little bit of a blow, but you know, he didn't do much. But I think, that being said, I think he'll be better. Often, uh, people tend to think um, that offensive line has another year under its belt. Um, you know, they did a pretty good job protecting it. You know, at the end of last year, I, I think Greg Robinson can make that. You know, jump. I think Jared Goff will be better off than people think, but we'll see. I mean, it's not going to be easy rookie year. They're in a division with, you know, two stout defenses, not not three um, with the addition of Josh Dorman coming to town if that happens. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Arizona's got a stout defense, probably the most sound team in the NFL right now. And, you know, the Seahawks are still knocking. I mean, they're not the team they were. Uh, win in the Super Bowl, but, you know, they're still pretty doggone good, so it's going to be a hard divisional fight for the rookie, but I think he can have, you know, possibly a six and nine season.
0: I like Goff a lot, and they're talking about him right now on ESPN. I think, as you know, he's my favorite guy. It's, I wish that he was the guy that Philadelphia was getting. I like a lot of what he does. i I love his mechanics. I love his footwork. He's not the biggest guy, but he does a good job of I'm not getting scared under pressure. He does a good job of moving around in the pocket. He not be the most impressive athlete, but he moves well enough in the pocket. I'm not looking for a Michael Vick. I'm not looking for a Colin Kaepernick, to be honest. That's not the kind of quarterback that I want. I want a guy who can sit there and throw 300 yards on you all day, every day. And I think eventually – Jared Goff can can develop into that type of player. I find it interesting to see if they start him right away in Los Angeles, though. That's another thing I want to get your opinion on. At this point, they still have Keith Keenum, who signed his uh, tender. They have Nick Foles under a somewhat expensive contract. They're going to draft Jared Goff. Do you think that Jeff Fisher and company put Goff right into the fire? Do you think there's a a legitimate QB battle in camp and in the preseason? How do you see that shaking out? And who do you think starts week one for the Los Angeles Rams? You know, I think
1: you have to go with Jared Goff at this point. You know, you invested in you know, trading up, going to first overall pick. I mean, it would be different if, you know, it was mid-round like they were. Yeah, there might be a little bit of, you know, things there. But I think that you have to go with Jared Goff at this point. I mean – You've invested all this and I think people wanna see Jericho. That's gonna drive ticket sales, unfortunately, yeah, that's a way um to you know, win people over. And by the way, people, six and ten, not six and nine, excuse me. <laughs> so or uh, no, wait. Would it be six and no? It would be uh wow. Six and eleven. Six and seven. No, six, six and ten.
0: Six
1: and ten, six and ten. Okay, I'm right. <laughs> But uh, I said six and nine first. I corrected myself, six and ten. So, Jared Goff, you got to start him. I mean, regardless, uh, first overall pick, drive ticket sales. Um, people are excited to see the rookie. People are excited to see Gurley again. That's what you got to do.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it will be interesting. I think that when it comes down to it, by the time they get to the end of the preseason, I agree. I think Jared Goff, you know, as much as – you don't always want to throw Ricky right into the fire. I think off will step in and be the starter and lead this team. Uh, hopefully they stay smart and allow Todd Gurley to be the the major, major guy dealing the damage. But I think that was a big thing for them in going up to get their guy, too. Is that last year they sat at 10, kind of shocked the world, took Todd Gurley. He came out and proved to be every bit the player that he was before the injury. Now, again, like we talked about last week, you don't want to sit there and watch a guy who has Adrian Peterson abilities lose his prime because he has nobody under center. So I think that Jared Goff is going to come in and, and be the guy for the Rams. <clears throat> you go to two and talk about this. Well, I haven't hit the film quite yet again, Dave. I'm alive and letting it sink in for a little bit. But that being said, it looks like all is slated unless the Eagles pull some unbelievable, crazy something out of their – Pat. Carson Wentz is the pick here at number two. The Rumors are Sam Bradford was not happy with the with the selection. Rumors are as of today that he may ask Philadelphia for a trade out of town. There are a couple teams that may be suited. He said he, there is possibilities he may be willing to take a pay cut to do so. When the trade was made, Howie and company still said that Sam was the starter going into next year. They didn't want to have to throw the rookie straight into starting, etc., etc. But You look at this, Carson Wentz, you know, big frame, big guy. He's a little bit more athletic than golf, but there are some things that I don't love in his game. Obviously, we've talked about this before. I'm not the hugest fan, uh, but if he could sit and he could get the treatment, the bench treatment that he's supposed to get, in my opinion, I think that they could make something out of him. A lot of guys love him. A lot of, you know, draft guys, a lot of coaches love him. A lot of guys think that he's, one of the best prospects in the last four years in terms of quarterbacks. So, to that, you know, you always have to, to you know, the things that, that always worry you is that, yes, he did play at a smaller level. We do love our small school guys, you know, the direct snap, but they always get that distinction, especially quarterbacks, of how well will they play against top tier talent. As well as, I just, you know, not in love with his footwork. I feel like he, Reminds me a little bit of Blaine Gabbard in terms of looking a little flinchy under pressure in his face. And it's only going to get faster. It's only going to get more violent in the NFL. But to, we're going to do with a two-parter here again. Sam Bradford's unhappy. Sam Bradford, you know, wanted to be the guy. A lot of, honestly, a lot of the team wanted Sam Bradford to be the guy. So I think that the trade, you know, while a lot of guys may have expected it, they were still thinking that there was a good chance they were going in next year with Sam Bradford as their guy the the rumors are out, you know, obviously there's there's trade speculation, but when all said and done, do you think Sam Bradford's still in an Eagles uniform heading into the preseason? Yes,
1: and there's a reason I say that. For one, I don't think anyone's going to be willing to pay that FD, um contract. You know, yeah, there'll be a team out there to do that, and yes, Philly would hold most of the money that year, but here's the thing, that Sam Bradford should have realized even going into this offseason, he was going to hit competition. He should have already realized that um, leading up to the, you know, even pro days that he was going to have competition. He, even, you know, the GMs come out and said, hey, you know, we're going to get a quarterback one way or another, and that's what we're after. And he didn't say anything. But now that it's actually happened, he's you know, crying about it, Sam, It's still your – you're still the guy. Prove Carson wrong. Don't go into camp and, you know, act like, you know, you changed. No. Go out there and throw like you always have. Make the coaching staff realize, you know, okay, you know, we can ride Carson for a few seasons. And then, you know, after, you know, Bradford's done or after maybe it's one and done for Bradford or maybe he gets hurt again. Unfortunately, God forbid that, you know, I don't want him to get hurt. Um, But, you know, he should have realized this is coming away. If you're an NFL vet, you compete. Things aren't given to you, and Sam's acting like it's given to him. So, um, yes, he should still be the number one guy going into preseason. Will he be the starter? Um, It's hard to say. I'm not putting this on Matt Moore, but the same kind of thing happened a few years ago with Matt Moore, and um, I can't remember who else was um, the vet quarterback at the time with us. Uh, maybe it was Chad Pennington. I think it was. No, it was someone else. But we had another vet quarterback, and this is when we drafted Ryan Tannehill eighth overall. And, you know, know, for a while it was those guys, those guys, and then the team committed to Ryan Tannehill halfway through. It might happen like that. But, you know, if he comes in and competes and says, oh, or the staff's like, oh, wow, Sam really wants this, Carson's going to sit, and, you know, Eagles fans might be a little disappointed. Ah, uh, boo-hoo. But, I mean, a guy that, you know, you've invested that much money in, you're not just going to not let him compete unless they can trade him. So that's answered answer to the first question. He should have saw it coming, and he should be ready to compete one way or another if he's going to get traded or um, compete with Carson. And two, like I said, you know, compete. Compete, compete, compete. I've said it probably 40 times. So that's my thoughts on that.
0: Uh, I, I agree. I think that it'll be interesting, especially I agree with you on the fact that you know you have to expect competition. Really, the way you look at it, the way I look at it, Sam was insurance, and so was Chase Daniel. The quarterback market in free agency was incredibly weak. The quarterback market in the draft is a little weak and unguaranteed. But so you knew all along probably that if it wanted to secure a quarterback, it probably needed to be in the top two. So that being said, it sat there and said, Okay, let's sign Sam. Let's sign Sam Bradford. Let's give him a deal. Let's make sure we can keep a guy who's played a year with the team, who's been a starter, who's still got some promise. Let's keep one of the better guys that could go into free agency on a team. Then they sign Chase Daniel to a backup deal, a guy who's been with Doug Peterson, extra insurance, where you go, okay, you know, just in case Sam gets hurt, just in case we get our guy and this happens, just in case we get to two and we draft a quarterback high and Sam wants to, or demands a trade, we have a guy that we feel confident in, in, in starting the season and giving him a chance in Chase Daniel. And so I think that, they were insurance. There was insurance on whether or not Philadelphia and Howie Roseman could get up to number two overall, get up to where they could take a quarterback. And I think that Carson, you know, obviously they like him a lot. I think again, they their hope is that Sam stays and Sam. And the, the thing, the term that I use, you know, you use the term compete. I use the phrase bet on yourself. If if you're angry, go out and play insane, and then obviously you know there's a chance Philadelphia cuts you next year. You go out and you're one of the best free agent quarterbacks on the market. Go out and play your best ball for the next two years. Maybe we keep you two years. And then we put Carson out. Again, you're still one of the best quarterbacks. Maybe you've won some playoff games. You know what you've done. But you go out and you've played some great ball. You've made $36 million. And you're probably still going to sign a contract somewhere where somebody's going to want to pay to keep playing football and stay healthy. And bet on yourself. You, know, you get a bad reputation where as soon as you're challenged, you want out. As soon as there's the potential for challenge, you want to get You want to be the guy, but like you said, compete. Earn it. Earn the right to be the guy. Because honestly, I don't want Carson Wentz starting. In my opinion, I don't think he does. Not right away. I think even if Sam Bradford is traded, even if Sam Bradford is gone, I think they start Chase. I think they definitely start off with starting Chase. They're not going to start a guy who has no experience, hasn't been in practice. They're going to start a guy who knows Doug's offense, who's been in the NFL, Yes, he's undersized. Yes, he's probably not going to play phenomenally, but they're going to at least give him the shot. You don't pay him seven million dollars to pass him up over the rookie that you're looking to put third string on your depth chart. You don't do that. So I think that even if Sam's gone, I think Chase will start for a little while. I am a little weary, but I am excited as well for this new era under Doug Peterson, under what will likely be Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. But Like we talked about today, the Eagles have a lot of needs, and it'll be interesting to see how they approach them and address them after this second pick. You know, they obviously don't pick again until round three. They have a pick in round four still, because they did swap with the Browns. But looking into the third and fourth round, we talked a little bit about their needs, you know, running back, um, some edge players, offensive line. What do you think is the best move for Philadelphia going into the third round trying to find a guy who can be an impact player. Philly mm.
1: I'm really trying to find an impact player in the third round. Well, I think they're going to try impact player is going to have to be an offensive lineman. You know, they need some fortification on the offensive line. They could go past for sure. They could go running back. Um, a guy like Booker, uh, Trevor, uh, Devontae Booker, excuse me, Trevor Booker, not the basketball player. Uh, You know, their running back would definitely be a great way to go, Um, but they're going to have to find the scheme fit. But, um, Joe, uh, it's not a flashy bit, but they've got to go for a good offensive lineman, possibly um, a guy that could fortify guard or a guy that could be um, at tackle or a guy like um, maybe like that could play both. Um, Vidal Alexander from LSU is a guy that I would have my eye on, a guy that's – 6'5", 335, can play guard uh, and tackle. So um, that's what I would do personally in the third round. It's not flashy, but um, build the offensive lineup for future Carson Wentz. Uh, You've got to build him some foundation for the future. So you're not having the Miami Dolphins effect, Um, continuing to build Ryan Tannehill, around Ryan Tannehill with offensive linemen for the next you know, four years while Ryan Tannehill struggles to stay upright. You don't want that for your young quarterback. Build
0: an offensive line now compared to waiting. Yeah, I agree. I think it's incredibly important to get the offensive line addressed, get some depth. We didn't have that last year, and it hurt us a lot when guys like Jason Peters got hurt. And just the guys who had to slide in for Lane Johnson, had to slide in that card. They just didn't fit the bill. They didn't do good. They They didn't play well. So I think it's incredibly important to bulk up the line with those early or those mid-round picks and, and get some of those guys who may be able to step in and contribute this year. I very much so agree with you on that. But we have about 14 minutes left, guys. you want to give us a shout, seven one four three 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 zero two. 3302. But we've got about 13 minutes left. I don't have a ton on my mind other than the things we've already talked about today. So I want to turn it over to you, and I want you to, we haven't talked a lot about the Miami Dolphins tonight. We're a week away from the draft. Let's, let's talk Dolphins. This is the Dolphins Network, a sister show on the Finn side. I had a show yesterday. Uh, the Dolphins obviously sit at 13. Like you said, the potential to possibly move up. Uh, They've been rumored to love guys like Ezekiel Elliott who may even follow them at 13. We never know with the NFL draft. So, so give me the loop. What's the word on some of the things going on in Miami Dolphins draft down?
1: Well, there's a lot of things going on. Obviously,
0: I stated earlier
1: that the Dolphins are looking to trade up still. Um, I do hear that's still a very big possibility. Uh, They're hoping some players fall to them, maybe possibly so they don't have to trade up. Um, Raul and I are still working on our first mark draft of the year. Um, Depending on all this free agent stuff going on, we've kind of – held out just a little bit longer, but we've actually completed seven-round mock. Um, we haven't published it, um, but we believe that without... We think Zeke Elliott should be off the board by then. If he's there, we take him, but we feel like Miami's going to get the best available corner at that point, and um, with the tumble of Vernon Hargreaves, which is a little bit puzzling right now, I think uh, mock draft had him going to the Panthers today, which is kind of like, quote. Um, I think Eli Apple might be in play here for the Dolphins. I think they really like him. Um, a guy that's still learning, but has the smarts to be a very good corner in the league. And something to pair with Byron Maxwell and McCain in the slot. So I, I've heard that Miami wants to Elliott back, but I don't know if he's going to be there. So I think they're going to go with their best next option, which would be corner at that point. Uh and then I think the second round, they've really targeted a lot of different linemen. I think they want to fortify the offensive line for Um They're going to take another stab at offensive guard. And then the third round, they're going to look at a running back because their first first opportunity went through their fingers. They like uh, Drake Elliott from Alabama, or Drake Elliott, um, Kenyon Drake from Alabama. Uh, they like him a lot for some reason. They didn't even look at Derek Henry like his counterpart. So, you know, I think then uh, they're looking at a few linebackers and some more depth at corner and also I think they're looking at some pass rushers late so they can continue that rotational scale. So The Dolphins, I think, have so many different possibilities they're looking at right now, but who
0: knows, to be honest. yeah, It's interesting. You know, the Dolphins, they have a lot of chance, you know, a lot of um, different options to go at 13, especially with not knowing how the board falls. Uh, but to talk about Bernard Hargreaves real quick and, and focus on that possible selection, from what I heard earlier tonight, part of the issues are character concerns, I guess. Um, and some say the character concerns are somewhat legit. He, he may come off, I guess, maybe a little arrogant or or not taking things seriously. I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me. Uh, just kind of what I was catching on ESPN here, but uh, a lot of people, yes, they are souring on Vernon Hargreaves. Um, for that, for the smaller frame, I guess his wingspan isn't huge, so they don't like his, his uh, not necessarily the the ball skills, but the the ability to bat down balls, you know, on those those stretch throws, those sh- throws to the deep sidelines and deep outs. So there are some things leading to concerns with Vernon Hargreaves, which will likely see him fall. Now, some other names that have popped up that have become popular are guys like William Jackson. Um, and, and I think that 13, they had him going pretty high. I think it was 14, not 14, was it 15? To the Oakland Raiders – they had him pretty high, yeah. They had they had Jackson in the top fifteen. That much I know. Um, so I'm pretty positive on the Mel and Todd draft tonight, but that's the big thing with with Vernon and his Slide. But with the 13 pick, do you think they really find a guy like Eli Apple worth it, or do you think Miami at that point, if Ezekiel Elliott isn't available, if they feel you know, if they don't feel 100 percent on Vernon Hargreaves at 13? Could you see Miami trading down?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Raul and I have talked about that extensively a lot. You know, a lot of the guys we want that, you know, we thought were this and that, that they could be gone, you know, walking across the stage. Yeah, we've pondered that a lot, and we have uh, looked into the trade down options, maybe getting Cody White here would qualify that offensive line for good, um, you know, getting a pass rusher later, maybe possibly – They've worked out some of the top receivers in this draft class, too. So, you know, someone to give Devontae Parker a future running mate, you know, Devontae Parker. And um, obviously everyone's like, well, Jarvis Landry. No, Jarvis Landry is your slot guy. That's where Jarvis Landry stays. You don't touch Jarvis Landry. So, um, Dolphins could trade down, or I've even heard the possibility of them trading down and getting a guy like Henry Hunter who is kind of like Jason Witten-like, you know, you're getting a guy that's going to be there playing for 10 years. Uh, but trade down, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love a trade-down option for the Dolphins, particularly getting picks back that we lost, um, getting Byron Maxwell and Kiki Alonso really, you know, used our picks quite well to get back up into the game. So, you know, we're trying to get some picks back from this. Uh With Vernon Hargreaves, uh, I just want to remind folks, there was a certain person from last year's draft class that had some character concerns, and he was a little bit sloppy and this and that, and guess what? He balled out. I'm talking about Marcus Peters. Um, I'm not saying that Hargreaves is the same type player, and they're different skill players completely, but, you know, sometimes character concerns are blown out of the water, but, yes, Teams are taking them dead serious these days. And another corner that we haven't talked about tonight, who's also following for the same reason, is Mackenzie Alexander from Clemson. I've heard a lot of things about him that has led him down to slip to possibly the mid-second round. So, you know, character concerns seem to be steering teams a lot more. And also, you know, Robert Mdichie at one point, you know, he was a top-five candidate to be a top-five pick this year. Just a few character concerns and him throwing his teammates under the bus, you know, he's going anywhere from the late first round to mid-second round. I've even heard that um, a scout told me personally that our team's not looking at him until at least round um, four. So just telling you, it's out there. Character concerns are scaring teams away. And if you have any kind of attitude with the team, that they might possibly not look at
0: you until anywhere from round four to six, (laughs) hopefully. Be careful. That would be interesting. Kim Dicci definitely was an then an unbelievably talented, like you said, top five and just watching the fall from this guy in the last few months has just been unbelievable. Um but it it was uh it was an interesting week in football this week, guys. There was a lot of big things that happened. There were a lot of big Flashy news bits with Josh Norman heading into free agency. Eagles acquiring the number two overall pick. We spent all show talking about it, breaking it down, just everything, getting into the spectrum that might be. Now imagine being an NFL GM. Imagine being the head coach. Imagine what they go through. We just sat here and spent an hour and a half, literally just breaking down like what this does, just with one simple trade. What this does with one guy out in free agency. So just imagine what it's like to really be in the thick of things in the rat race. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and it's incredibly exciting. We are one week away from the NFL draft guys. And who hopefully we are hoping that I am lucid enough to be able to give you guys, I'm not sure I do have to check with Brian Dave because they were on this week. So I don't know. I can't say that I do know I'll have to talk with Brian guys on the, uh, on the Fin side podcast. But if Thursday is open next week and I am lucid enough after surgery from the day before, We may be running a live draft special For you guys Um, If I can I'll at least be uh, live Tweeting and live posting on Facebook Throughout the night for the NFL draft Um, I'm sure Dave will be doing the same So Keep tabs on us for that We're going to keep you updated Um, Honestly all the way up until probably The day of the draft On whether or not we'll be able to run next week I don't know how I'll be after surgery But we'll see guys So uh if you don't mind, guys, wish me luck. Uh, it'll be interesting next week. i it know if it's the first time. But if we have our way and if I have my way, we will be back next week. Uh, we may be on a little early uh, to catch more of the draft, if possible. Um, but catch us next week, next Thursday live for the NFL draft, which will hopefully be the direct snaps first NFL live draft special, uh, where obviously we're going to break down every pick. We'll give you the picks. Um, hopefully it hopefully will be a lot of fun as long as I am okay to go and we are able to get on um, draft day. It will be incredibly exciting. So stay tuned. In order to know, you'll have to keep tabs on us with our Facebook page. So check us out, facebook.com backslash the official direct snap. Um, you can also give us a shout on Twitter at direct underscore snap. And Facebook will be the place to be right now to, to keep updates on the show and updates on everything. We'll, we'll keep you posted Uh, But for my co-host and our draft expert, Mr. David West, I, Joe Klein and the Direct Snap family wish you guys a great night, and hopefully we see you next week for the 2016 NFL Draft.
1: Whoop, whoop.
0: I'm excited. No, me too, man, me too.